Welcome to In the Bag Podcast. I'm your host, James Alderman, and unfortunately, I will be your only host this weekend as Jonathan Slaughter will not be joining me. He's out recovering from some wrist surgery. It's probably best for him to save himself from a little bit of the shame after our disappointing performance last week. We both had rough weeks in DraftKings and went negative in traditional betting as well. Part of this comes from the fact that Brendan Todd won his second tournament in a row, and he had made one of five cuts up until these last two wins, and neither one of us really expected it, and there were just some some really interesting results. Hovland bombed, Sebastian Munoz didn't play well, and the guy we both faded, Matt Kuchar at the top, did play well, so... Congratulations to Brendan Todd. Very impressive stuff from him. He was contemplating quitting the game within you know, the last year or two. So it's really exciting to see somebody like that go out and succeed. And really, that whole final group was pretty cool. There were three guys who've seen you know high peaks in the PGA Tour and incredibly low valleys as well. And they were out there battling out in the final group, you know, throughout all day Sunday, very grueling Sunday and Monday as well, where. You know, maybe Harris English had a chance to win it, but he had a couple bad lives in the bunker on 16 and got unlucky there. But again, congratulations to Brendan Todd. Uh, very much deserved it. And also to Carlos Ortiz. He had a great showing on his home soil. I think he finished, what, solo third, tie for third. So that's very, very cool for him. Let's get into the club up and club down section now after last week. Harris English is the first for club up. He's just kind of been that guy. This year, he has four top tens this season, and he's top six or better in four out of his last five starts. Like I said, he didn't win last week, but based on his current form and the way he's played so consistently this year, I do think it's coming. I think he's going to get a win this year, and I'm going to stay on Harris English until he does. Second guy we already talked about, Brendan Todd, back-to-back wins. I think he's overpriced now in DraftKings, and his betting odds are probably a little bit too low for you know the caliber of golfer he was at the beginning of the season but not recognizing him here properly would um, be a very very much a disservice to him third guy in this section billy horschel he has three top 25s in his last three starts and two top 10s i think they're actually top eights uh, his ball striking and putting have been really solid and i think that's important coming into this week so i think horschel is going to be someone you want to look to play for club down, I mentioned both of them already. Uh, Victor Hovland, it pains me to say it, but he's just been really middling his last two appearances. Um, both rounds were highlighted by some really bad play. Sorry, both first rounds were highlighted by some really bad play. And then this week, you know, he really disappointed in the second round. I guess his, his first round wasn't that bad. He, he made seven birdies, but four bogeys is a lot. And it's kind of what happened the first week or first round for Munoz at the Houston Open where he just he, he finished two under but he made a lot of bogeys and had to fight his way to that round and then didn't play well in the second round and it's just kind of a theme I've been seeing this year so someone I'm going to keep an eye on I want you want to find guys that get off to good starts and also don't make a lot of bogeys in those starts and unfortunately that just wasn't the case for Hovland and the negative momentum kind of carried over into his second round and then second guy Sebastian Munoz Missed cut, he had both rounds over par. He also struggled at the Houston Open after missing cut at Shriners. He's got a disappointing string of finishes, but I do think he's played well enough this year that I don't think it's warranted how low his price has dropped. He's a 7,100 on DraftKings right now, which seems low to me, and he's maybe a guy you can kind of 
short the market on and play him when everybody else is kind of going to be off of him this week. But still clubbing down for me, just turning in the wrong direction, see if he can pick it back up. And the final guy is a big name, Jason Day. Uh, he just doesn't look like he has it right now. His, you know, I didn't get to see a lot of him, obviously, because he missed the cut. But both of the first two days, he was missing a lot of fairways, spraying it you know, left and right, not missing consistently. Uh, his iron play wasn't sharp. He, he just really hasn't impressed me in any of his starts this season. So Jason Day also heading in the wrong direction for me, which pains me to say it. I was hoping that you know, this would kind of be a bounce-back year for him, but unfortunately it just hasn't been the case. With that said, that review, let's hop into this week. We probably get the weakest field we've seen throughout this fall uh, go-around on the PGA Tour. Um, we're going to finish the fall swing outside of, what, what, one more tournament at the beginning of December, uh, because we'll have a break next week for Thanksgiving. We'll finish it in Georgia. Um, they're going to play a pretty unique uh, tournament. Uh, where they'll play the sea, sea Island, Seaside, and Plantation courses. They'll play both courses. Three rounds will be played at the uh, Seaside course, and one will be played at the Plantation course. Both courses play very different. Plantation is a par 72 of 7,000 yards, and Seaside plays about the same yardage, but is a par 70 with only two par 5s. With that being the case, Seaside does play about a stroke tougher than the Plantation course, and you want to look to have players that will play Seaside on less breezy days, unless you can't fit it with the guys you like. But the course tends to get quite a bit windier, and that brings scoring down. But with that being said, both courses have been in the top half of the easiest courses on the PGA Tour the last few years with regards to par, and minus 17 has been the quote-unquote worst score to win the event the last four years, so guys are still going to be going low. The main statistics we wanted to look at this week were par 4 scoring. Three rounds on a par 70 with only two par 5s, par 4 scoring becomes much more important, and seven of the last nine winners there were in the top 42 of par 4 scoring. A strokes gained approach very going to be very important. We have you know a lot of setup shots again off the tee to give you the distances you want into the green. Guys really get to pick the clubs they hit in the greens, and there are smaller greens this week. And also two of the last three winners in the top five of the category. So approach play is going to be very important. Like guess leading from the small greens bit, scrambling I think will factor in pretty heavily here. You want a guy, people who are going to be good scrambling because the greens are smaller. And, you know, while you want to be hitting them, you're not going to hit every single one. And you want to make sure you can get up and down for your, you know, Birdie opportunities on par fives potentially because they are both par fives are under 570 yards, uh, as well as make sure you make pars on your par fours. And then the final stat of strokes game putting. I know it's a pretty volatile statistic, but on smaller greens, if you're hitting them, you're giving yourself better chance to make putts. And recent uh, winners here have been very good with the flat stick in their hands. So we're going to continue to look to that as a determining factor in who's going to play well this week. Uh, and if you are going to weigh putting pretty heavily. You want to make sure that it's it's influenced or your weighting is influenced to Bermuda putters, people with a specialty there, because that's what we're going to be playing on this week. So now we'll hop into the Daily Fantasy DraftKings portion of this. I'm just going to go through, like we usually do, I'm going to give guys I like a value play and somebody I'm going to avoid at the top. Top tier, my favorite, <coughs> excuse me, top tier, my favorite guys are 
Webb Simpson, Billy Horschel, and Harris English. Webb is a course horse, as well as just probably being the most talented golfer in the field this week. You know, recent history. I played very well toward the end of last season. He also has a solo second and third here since 2015. And in his one tournament this year, I think he played the Shriners. He finished seventh. So while he hasn't been playing as well as everybody, or as much as everybody, he did play well in his one event. He doesn't have to overpower this course, and not a lot of guys in this field are bombers, so he doesn't have to worry about people overpowering him, which I think really favors him. I talked about Horschel and English already. And I feel strongly enough about them to make sure they're played in some of my lineups this week. I just, again, think the course fits them, specifically Harris English. You don't have to be extremely long. They're both good iron players, both good putters, and, and I think that's very important here. The guy I'm going to avoid is Kucher. I still think this is purely based on him still being overpriced for me, although I think we're getting closer to where he should be priced. I, I just, based on what I saw at the end of last year, I know last week he played well, but... It's just not someone I want to be making or breaking my lineups. The one guy in this bit that I haven't talked about, or in this section I haven't talked about, is Kevin Kisner. He really intrigues me this week. His form isn't great, but he won here in 2015, and five out of his last six appearances have been top 20 finishes. So I'll be playing Kevin Kisner in a couple lineups, probably not a lot, but I think that's that indicates too good a value for me to pass up. you got to take an opportunity there, and it might be something where you know, I look to target him more in betting than I do in daily fantasy just because his form is lacked and you can take on less risk there. For the middle tier, I'm going to target Dylan Fratelli. Played great last weekend. Looks like he's getting back uh, into it after he you know, sh- struggled in the Asian swing of, of the PGA Tour and maybe being back in his own time zone, sleeping on a normal schedule is doing him some good. But he played really, really well last week and I, I like the way his game looked. Lando Griffin's price went down 2K after, you know, his first bad finish of the year. Everything before that had been top 20, and he did make the cut. He just struggled to make a lot of birdies. So I, I like Lanto Griffin, with a decreased price quite a bit. Jim Furyk is really intriguing to me this week on a course that I think fits his skill set. He doesn't have to contend with bombers this weekend, kind of like Webb Simpson, right? He gets to play on a course where it's about ball positioning, shaping the ball, making putts. And that is a Jim Furyk special. So I really like him going into this week. And in his two starts, he has played relatively well. I think they're both top 30 finishes. So um, appears to be a good play this week. Zach Johnson uh, is someone I like at this price range. He had rough rounds uh, in round two and three in Mexico. But he shot minus seven in round one, minus two in round four. And I think... He's looking like he's starting to figure some things out. Again, not a course where Zach Johnson has to be a long player. He excels in places where he can pick where he wants to be playing from out of the fairway. And this is also kind of a home tournament for him. He lives in the area, so I like Zach Johnson a lot this week. And then the final guy I'm going to be targeting, and probably my favorite value, is Joel Damon. He was phenomenal last week, and he's been really, really trending in the right direction. Uh, recently. Oh, sorry, one more guy. Uh, Brian Gay, course fits in perfect. He's playing really, really good golf right now. He's a very exact wedge player and a really, really good putter, one of the best in the world. So I think it, it's, again, a, a course fit. These guys get to play on shorter courses that really play to their strengths. And then for middle, guy I'm going to avoid uh, Austin Cook, just not really looking to play him in this group. He spiked two tournaments with top 20 finishes, but out of seven tournaments or six tournaments, those are his only two made cuts. So 
I'll mix and match, you know, all the guys I talked about, but Austin Cook will be the guy I'm looking to avoid. On the lower end, there are quite a few names that I will play in different combinations in my lineups. Uh, Zhang, Cameron Tringali, Bronson Bragoon, Sebastian Munoz. I know he's not playing well right now, but the price is really, really good for somebody I think can, can get hot again and turn things around. Troy Merritt, who's been playing better, had a decent week last week. Doc Redmond, who missed the cut by a stroke last week. I'm still on him. I think he's going to have a good week. And then Maverick McNeely, who's really, really turned things around after a rough start to the season, has been playing really well. I think all these guys have a chance to spike this tournament. We've been, you know, we saw it with Brendan Todd and others last week. I, I think this is an opportunity for guys to come out that don't always have a chance to win, and this course gives the opportunity because you can play it in different ways if you just want to play you know mid to long irons in the fairway or three woods you can do that it really gives you control over what you want to do and i think that'll help these guys a lot uh, as far as traditional betting we'll start top 20 then go top 10 and winners um top 20 i think i'll probably be playing a little bit heavier on lower odds guys or higher odds guys you know, the closer to one-to-ones to, to finish top 20 just because I think the talent isn't really in this field quite as much. And so you don't, you know, your, your chalk is kind of your chalk. So first in that, Harris English, top 20 at plus 110. Scotty Scheffler, plus 125. Jim Furyk, plus 200. Zach Johnson, plus 185. And then we're going to get into the higher odds. Doc Redman, plus 400. Munoz, plus 400. James Hahn, excuse me, James Hahn, plus 600. Joel Damon is plus 1,600 for some reason. Not sure what that is, considering he's plus 6,600 to win. Johnson Wagner, because if he's playing, we're talking about him and betting on him at plus 700, and Maverick, Maverick McNeely at plus 450. Top 10 is where I'm going to go less to complement the amount of guys I want to play uh, in top 20s. So I'm only, I've only got three guys here. Joel Damon is plus 4,000. Not sure why, but I'm going to play that. Webb Simpson is even. I think he's as close to a lock as we're going to get uh, for a, t- a top 10 finish, and that's a really good value for somebody I think is a near lock. And then Sebastian Munoz at plus 1,000. I think that's a really, really solid number for you know a guy who's shown himself to be a really good golfer this you know early in the season, even though he's struggling. Just a, a number I'm very interested in playing more than anything else. And then for winners, we have Webb Simpson, plus 800. Billy Horschel, plus 1,600. And those guys are more value plays to complement everything else this week. Harris English plus 2,800. Zach Johnson plus 4,000. Brian Gay plus 5,000. Sebastian Munoz at 125 to 1. Doc at 150 to 1. And Han at 200 to 1. I might not necessarily play those last three guys, but I really like those numbers. I think they're very, very interesting. As far as my Mickelson play, English and Scheffler top 20s. I'll be putting all basically. The majority of my risk in those plays this weekend. Draw, Doc Redman, really like him. Uh, again, he's only 8% owned. Barely missed the cut last week, and he only made two bogeys in those two rounds, so it wasn't like he was necessarily playing bad. He just struggled to make birdies. And I think he turns that around this week. And then Harris English is only at 12% projected ownership. He's maybe the hottest player. Well, he's definitely the hottest player outside of Brendan Todd. And I think he's proven himself over time to be a more talented golfer there. So I really like Harris English coming into this. And then my fade, Adam Hadwin. It's not that I don't like him. I just think I think he's projected to be 17% owned. And I know he had good 
good starts at the beginning of the year when these weaker fields, but I just like the other higher-owned guys uh, to, have, to have really good performances this week, and I just don't know if he'll keep up at the same sort of ownership level. So I don't think he's you know, the, the guy you want your, your match to be. I think you want to try and separate yourself there from him. Uh, that's all I have for you this week. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at jamespaw 4 Slaughter, even though he couldn't be here this week, at Slaughter. You can con- uh, contact the show at In the Bagcast. Uh, we're also on iTunes and Spotify, so please download, like, subscribe, give us a rating, whatever you can do to help. Really appreciate it. Uh, hopefully we get Slaughter back next week. I'm assuming we're going to. Things go a little bit longer, but they're definitely much more fun uh, when he's around. So wish him all the best in his recovery. And hopefully you'll tune in next week to make sure you have the right clubs and the bags.